0: The views expressed in this podcast are the opinion of the host and are meant to spark discussions. This podcast may contain series and larger universe spoilers. This season, I will be discussing Sarah J Mass's most ambitious series, Throne of Glass. Please note that this podcast will cover topics such as depression, abuse, imprisonment, self-harm, death, and other topics that may not be suitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Bookly Podcast. I'm starting off this episode saying that I'm really, really excited because I just put out my first video episode and it was the reaction episode to House of Flame and Shadow, which is the Crescent City book. Um, I put that up on YouTube for the first time, so I'm really, really excited. Also, I did something that I normally don't do and I wrote into one of my favorite podcasts, which is Page Seven which is on the last podcast network and I got shouted out by them and it was just kind of awesome and really really cool to hear someone shouting out and I shared about how I came to do this podcast which has been a little bit of a labor of love if I haven't shared the story before basically about a year ago It was horrible timing Um, right before my wedding. I got diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. I had to go on medication for it. I had to learn how to take medication and deal with the side effects of it. I in the interim of that I ended up leaving two jobs kind of back to back within like six months of each other that were really toxic the first one I had been at for five years and it was my first job out of college so it was really really hard to leave that place because I did feel like I've been there since I was 20 so I felt like that was home in a lot of ways and the second one was a job that I took after that and it wasn't It just wasn't a great fit. The culture was not for me. So I had to leave and find another job. I'm so fortunate. The job I had now allows me the time to put into my hobbies and into my passions. And it's really just made my work-life balance a lot more. And it's allowed me to finally put my creative efforts into something, which is how this podcast came about. I've been complaining to my husband for so long that I wanted to do something like this and I finally did it and here we are, we are, this will be the, well if we count the bonus episode, this will be the seventh episode in and i couldn't be happier i'm learning so many different skills that i never had i've taught myself how to edit stuff i've taught myself how to record a proper video i'm having a hard time with the social media aspect of it to be completely honest with you um i'm not understanding you know the algorithms and i'm having a really hard time with that but nonetheless i love sharing this every week and i love just putting my creative efforts not um well on paper because I write the script for it but also just sharing my thoughts and it has been received really well so far mad shout out to all my friends who have been so so supportive and my husband who is doing everything to push out and tell everybody about my podcast I couldn't have been I couldn't have done this without any of them so a little bit of housekeeping off the top i'm changing the format of the episodes a little bit instead of them being so text heavy they are going to be more open interpretation and opinion that being said when quotes are the best way to convey something it's going to be said in quotes but i hope to spend the majority of the time interpreting text and voicing opinion uh, opinions on it so with that being said let's get into it we start this section of the book with a jump in time called the after We don't know after what just yet we just know that selena has somehow ended up in a prison wagon and that she has been arrested somehow we also know that she is asking herself a question during this time had she brought this all upon herself for this section i want to ask the following questions including did selena bring this all upon herself did she ever treat sam the way he deserved to be treated why does selena refuse to see arabin as a villain and is Arabin truly a villain Chapter 1 opens 11 days prior to us learning she has been arrested and is in a pri- and is in a prison wagon She makes it clear that these are all her memories She's in the theater watching one of her favorite performances that she would go to annually She's dwelling on the fact that she's not there in the box that Arabin has with him in her preferred seat She's honestly kind of fixated on him instead of on the performance that she loves. We also learned Selena did not tell Sam she was going to the theater. We know that Erebin saved Selena from almost dying when she was fleeing the siege of Terrison, and that happened to her when she was 8 years old. So I understand her affinity for wanting to be close to Erebin, especially since he spent the last 9 years taking care of her, providing for her, and making sure she grew up properly, I guess. So I understand her craving somewhat of a parental figure in her life. That being said, I don't understand, now that she's independent, continuing to obsess over him. Selena has described him as a father, a protector, and lover, but we know he has never made the lover part apparent to her, despite Sam claiming it was obvious between she and Arabin, and giving that as a reason as to why he never confessed his feelings to Selena. However, her thought process as the novel progresses are almost that of a scorned and abused lover towards Erebin. She can't seem to fathom why he continues to hurt her and why he's doing the things that he is doing. In a previous episode, I mentioned that I think Arabin has groomed Selena somewhat to eventually to eventually when she was old enough form some kind of relationship with her whether it would continue to be this kind of master and submissive type of relationship where he would build her up and use her as his prized possession or if he truly did form some romantic bond with her either way i believe this sort of ambiguity and manipulation has left selena with an unclear view of arabin and is the main reason why she can't ever picture him truly betraying her despite his actions proving the exact opposite time and time again later that evening when she arrives back home she finds that sam isn't home she's angry that he isn't home despite her having gone out herself and not telling him where she went selena tells us that she's not accepting any money from sam to pay for the apartment and then she says something concerning if you're looking at this in terms of being a healthy relationship she says quote it wasn't because she didn't want his money though she truly didn't but rather for the first time ever this place was hers and though she cared for sam she wanted to keep it that way okay so for the first part of this i totally understand wanting to have a place that is truly yours i felt this when i first moved out of my parents house at 22 and got my first apartment At the time, I was in a pretty serious relationship and I wanted him to look for an apartment with me. However, I told him that while I wanted his input on the place, I wanted to live there for some time before we moved in together if we wanted to go that route. I wanted the opportunity to make the place mine and live alone and feel that freedom for some time before I went right back into living with people. Not that my family is people, but you get it. I wanted a place that was mine, but I also wanted to take him into consideration, so I tried including him in the process so that he could feel comfortable there eventually. We ended up breaking up and, well, I lived alone for the next 4 years until I met my now husband and he moved in after we got engaged. At that point, I was completely ready to share the space with someone and we now joked that the apartment was like a museum when he moved in because I had so little stuff compared to all the crap and animals we now have. Do I miss my empty pink apartment sometimes? Sure. But I prefer having all our crap and living together instead. That is not the part of what Selena says that bothers me. It's the second part where she says she cares for Sam. Sam has told Selena I love you a few times now and Selena has not said it back. We know that these are memories she's remembering and even then she can't say she loves Sam. To me, this is a little concerning if you're living with someone. I know that this is her first relationship and whatnot, and saying those words to someone should not be taken lightly. But I mean, if you are living with someone, you should at least be able to express more than caring for them. I care for my cats. I care for my friends who have stayed at my house. But I love my husband and I love sharing our space together. We will see more little things like this and it makes me ask another question. Did Selena ever actually love Sam or was she just infatuated with him and felt bad for the situation he was in and therefore took pity on him? Selena also does not tell Sam everything. She doesn't even know if she could ever tell Sam the truth about her. Not that you have to tell your partner everything, but there are things they need to know, especially if they are living with you. We will see this later. Arabin will break into their apartment in this section and she just doesn't tell that to Sam point blank. She also hasn't told Sam the whole truth about where she is from, which Arabin also alludes to later on in this section. She told him when she thought she was going to die in the sewers to take her body back home to Terrison, but she hasn't told him the truth of who she was in Terrison. what actually happened when Erbin found her nearly drowned in the river. Spoiler alert and a little pause here if you want to stop listening. I also mentioned in episode two while Selena and Ansel were talking under the stars that Selena didn't just empathize with Ansel's pain at losing her country and family, she sympathized with it. She knew how it felt. Arabin is suggesting that Selena is not who she says she is when he prods Sam to ask her about what really happened when he found her on the banks of the river in Terracen. Am I right in thinking Selena is a princess? Well, I know the answer, but if you haven't read the books, you are just going to have to find out. At one point, Selena gets mad that he's using her expensive lavender soap. Again, you're living together. Does it really matter? I'm sure if she asked him, he would buy her more of her favorite soap. I mean, the guy was simping so hard. So Selena is mad that Sam is out when she isn't home. So she goes out to get him. He's fighting at the vaults, which is Riffhold's version of an illegal gambling den and brothel. He's there because he knows he can win the fights and he's making money while doing it. Since Selina and he haven't gotten any assignments as assassins, and Selena certainly isn't working, someone has to be making money for them to live on. When she finds him, and he's done fighting, Selena motions that it's time for them to go home, and then they start fighting. Selena basically doesn't want him fighting in the vaults, but as I mentioned before, it's their only source of income right now, and since Sam is desperate to get them out of Riffhold and out of Ardalen altogether, they will need money to move. Selina is still resistant to the idea of moving at all, and we're not exactly sure why. She tells us she wants to stay for nothing and everything. Later on in this section of the book, Sam accuses her of wanting to stay for Erbin because she's still holding out hope that he will let them live, but still give them work and because she doesn't want to give up the title and notoriety of being Ardolin's assassin. And I think he's right. We know that Selena's image and reputation mean a lot to her, and she's clearly worked very hard to to get where she is and the image she has built mostly by working hard but at the same time she has no business being tangled up with arabin anymore she goes as far as calling Rifhold her city i wonder in what terms she means it's her city because whenever she's facing something difficult or has something to overcome she feels quote the northern breeze of Terracen and remembers her home so i'm a little confused in what way Rifhold is her city I mean, I guess it's the city she grew up in and made a name for herself in, so I guess she has that claim to it. But when it comes down to it, just a month ago, she was dreading coming back home to Rifold from the the Red Desert, and as she was coming home, she was thinking of Terrison. The other reason I can think of for her not wanting to leave Arabin is very deeper within Selena and that she hasn't admitted even to herself. She does not want to be that far away from her true home, Terrason. I think maybe like Ansel, she wants to go back home someday to Tereson. Well, I know she does, but that is for later on in this series. Sam strikes a bargain with Selena, asking that they complete one more contract as assassins in Riffhold before they move. Selina ultimately agrees, but she says that while they severed ties with the Keep and Riffle, they should also leave the Guild of Assassins, which Arabin is also the head of. Sam agrees, and they go to see Erebin to let him know that they are leaving the Guild the next day. He, of course, makes them pay what is left of their savings to do so, but Selina ultimately transfers the money to him without so much, of, so much of a fight so she doesn't have to deal with his games. This in turn pisses Sam off again because she offered him the money without she offered Arabin the money without consulting him. I think this is unfair of Sam since it is her money and not his. She should be able to do with it as she wants, but it is a joint decision about them leaving the guild, so I guess he's kind of justified in being mad about her making the decision for both of them. At this point, she and Sam go their separate ways, and Selena starts thinking if it wasn't for her- If it wasn't for her, would Sam even be in this mess? We also get a few more lines from her that really pissed me off. Quote, In some ways, Sam was right. But she dragged him into this mess. She'd been the one who'd started things in Skulls Bay. She was responsible for him now. And that was terrifying. So, yes, the entire scheme in Skull's Bay was originally Selena's idea. However, Sam is just as old as Selena, if not a little bit older, meaning he's old enough to make his own decisions and he's an adult. He can choose what he wants to get into or not. And, Selena, no, you are not responsible for him. You do not need to treat him like a child. He is capable of taking care of himself. He's a trained assassin, for fuck's sake. I understand that she feels guilty, but their relationship should be an equal partnership, and at this point, she's not treating it like that. She's acting more like his mom, which, let's be honest, it's hard not to do sometimes because men are truly helpless in some respects. It's just easier to do things for them. But we know Sam isn't helpless, and he lost his mother. He knows how to take care of himself. In fact, when he does come back home later, he says he got a contract for them. The contract he found would have them take down Yoan Jane, the crime lord of Rifhold, and his second in command, Rourke. R O U R K E. Rourke? Faron. Yoan himself was incredibly dangerous, but Rourke had made a name for himself by developing a taste for sadistic torture. I don't think the relationship Sam and Selena are developing is necessarily healthy for either one of them. I think Sam is in a different place than Selena is, but also not the right kind of man to handle her. When he says he will be taking on Rourke by himself, she takes it as a slight to her abilities and that he sees her as weak. He says he just wants to keep her safe, which is a nice sentiment, but again, Selena can look after herself, and she has managed to up to this point, which is the point that Sam makes when Selena pushes back on not wanting to work together. However, in this case, I think Selena's instincts were right. They should have worked together on this contract, and we will see the consequences of that choice shortly. That being said, I don't think the relationship is healthy because they keep holding things over each other. Selena feels guilty for bankrolling their life right now, and Sam has always been in her shadow. It's not a good match. It's not an equal match. Not that that will matter for much longer. Chapter four opens to Selena coming home and finding Erebin sitting on her couch. Like, how much more of a creep can this guy be, honestly? The fact that Selena keeps clinging to him makes me so mad. Like, she's actively thinking when she sees him there, how long had he been there? Had he gone through her things? And in the moment, she gets mad, but later on, she completely overlooks that. It's a violation of a place that was truly hers, and we will see that after this, she feels like it's not really hers anymore. Either way, he comes to warn her not to take the contract to take out Yuan and and Rourke, saying he wouldn't even take on that contract. He tries his usual manipulation tactics by softening up to her after insulting her and begging her not to move away with Sam. In episode 2, I said that when the Mute Master teaches Selena about how people channel their anger in different ways, I didn't think Selena took the info in the right way. Erebin tries to manipulate Selena that he has her best interests at heart and that he actually cares for her and i think he does in some really dark twisted way i think he actually does love her but i think he loves her like a person can love an animal or the way a person may cherish a very priceless family heirloom i don't think he actually loves her he loves what she can offer him she being naive, despite everything she's seen and been through, takes this as genuine emotion and will cling, to, cling on to it a little longer until the final shred of her innocence is taken. When Sam comes home later, she's still visibly shaken up from the encounter with Erebin. She doesn't really talk to him at all until she asks him to reveal his deepest secret. He of course answers that it was loving her, being the simp that he is, To her credit, Selena actually answers honestly when he asks her about hers. She says she's a coward and that she's always scared. And this is where we get the famous, quote, Whenever I'm scared out of my wits, I tell myself, my name is Sam Cortland, and I will not be afraid. This makes her feel better, but she still doesn't tell him that it doesn't help the kind of fear that she's feeling quote, it wasn't the sort of fear she'd been talking about, but, and Selena let him kiss her until she again forgotten the dark burden that would always haunt her. I believe this is a reference to what happened to her as a child in Terrison. She's carrying that burden with her now, and it's what she believes is, and it's what she believes she's a coward for. More importantly, her admitting she is a coward is a first sign to us that the swaggering bravado and the huge ego are not really who Selena is at her core. She's using Selena as a mask and that deep down there is another girl inside her that she has not given any thought to in a long time but is still within her. After tracking Ferran around for the day, Selena and Sam end up at the vaults where they watch Ferran do some of his darker dealings. Selina hates this place, as she observes it, empty during lunch hours. She watches the girls who were not fortunate enough to be courtesans and the slaves employed in the vaults, and wonders if being a slave or a prostitute here would be better than being a slave at the labor camps of Endovia or Calcutta. She vows to one day burn the vaults to the ground, and what have we learned so far about Selina and SJM? If Selina is vowing this, it will eventually happen, and it will be spectacular. The next day, Selena and Sam are preparing for him to go take out Ferran that evening. She is sharpening blades, and he's planning his route when Sam brings up them leaving again. He tells her that he bought tickets for them on a boat that will take them to the southern continent. Selena immediately freaks out and begins arguing with him that going to the southern continent wasn't part of their plan. As I mentioned previously, Selena never told Sam that Arabin broke into their apartment. So naturally, Arabin approached Sam in the streets and told him about his little visit sam being the best person ever didn't even get mad at selena for not telling him he simply bought them tickets somewhere where they would finally be free of arabin so that he can have his proper relationship with her free of his strings she eventually agrees that this is the best decision and tells and sam tells her he loves her again and she once again does not say it back instead she says that she hates packing so do i the next night, Selena is stuck waiting for Sam to get back from taking out Ferran. She's obsessed with time, and time will become an important story element for the remainder of the book. She complains that the clock seems to be stuck at 9 p.m. She's desperate to do anything to distract her from worrying about Sam. He was supposed to be wrapping up by now, but they had agreed that she wouldn't go looking for him until at least midnight. Selena only has so much self-control, and of course she leaves the house at 11 After searching for a while, she thinks that maybe he couldn't get it done tonight and he was obviously on his way home, so she goes back to the apartment. He wasn't there, and it was now 1 a.m. She's panicking now, thinking he will be home any minute. Any minute. She paces until 2 a.m. and falls asleep at 4. Maybe he went and hid at the keep, since it was closer and safer. She would start looking again in a little while. She dozes off again. Early that morning, she takes off. She refuses to think that anything is wrong and he will be back at home. She checks her pocket watch at noon as she gets back to the apartment and notices the doors unlocked. Except it wasn't Sam who was waiting for her at home. It was Erebin sitting on her couch again. I'm sorry, he said. The silence struck. Selena will reference the silence for the, rema- for the remainder of the book. The silence that has taken over her. The silence that is taking all of her senses from her. Obviously, this silence is grief and depression, knowing that something bad had happened to Sam, and it happened on her watch, because she, wouldn't, she would never let him have the spotlight. So he wanted to do this on his own. Knowing that she waited like she was asked, instead of going and checking on him like she wanted to do. The silence, it struck. Erebin tells her that they left the body at the keep as a message. She throws the clock that is on the mantel against the wall, shattering the decorative plates and scattering the silver tea set she had bought. This makes me think that while it's rather obvious that Selena is destroying herself and coming undone, she took so much pride and effort choosing how this house should be furnished that by her destroying it, it's more than her just lashing out in anger. It is her spiraling and coming undone because the one thing that could never happen, happened. A person that was close to her paid the ultimate price. She demands to see the body and begins walking to the keep. But she still thinks it's a mistake. Surely the wrong body had been brought in. He was dead. Sam was dead. Selena climbs next to Sam's body and lies with him. She notes that the body still smells like him and like the cheap soap she made him use. Chapter nine opens to Selina waking up in her in her old bed in the keep. She hears she hears Turn Harding and Arabin speaking outside her door. I'm going to use direct quotes here because the next few lines are extremely important. "Quote: Jane and Ferran will be expecting retaliation," Harding said. "Their guards will be on alert," said Turn. "Then we'll take out the guards, and while they're distracted, some of us will go for Jane and Ferran. We strike tonight." Ferran lives at the house, and if we time it right, we'll kill them both while they're in their beds, said Arabin. Getting to the second floor isn't as simple as walking up the stairs. Even the exteriors are guarded. If we can't get through the front, then there's a small second-story window that we can leap through using the roof of the house next door, said Harding. Enough! I'll handle how to break in when we arrive. Have the others ready to go in three hours. I want us on our way at midnight, said Arabin. This was enough to perk Selena up, because if we know one thing about her, the girl loves revenge. And with her, it's not a dish served cold, but served warm as the blood of her newly killed targets. Of course she's going to go, and be part of this takedown. This was her kill, not theirs. Sam was hers. She gets ready, finding her old weapons and clothes. She'd left behind only to find that she'd been locked in. Not a problem. She leaps out the window and creeps around the back of the house until she runs into Wesley. I love Selena a lot. She's brilliant and fierce and brave and so many things I wish I could be. But she's not good about using her judgment. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Selena is still a teenager and she rationalizes and uses logic like a teenager. Right now in this moment, she's angry. She's so beyond angry that reason and intelligent thought are not available to her. She wants revenge. She, want, she was given a step-by-step plan of how she can exact that revenge and she's going to go for it and God's help anyone who stands in her way and at this moment, it's poor Wesley who despite Selena always being mean to him is trying desperately to warn her of something going on. Quote, Where the hell do you think you're going? Wesley says, Get out of my way. Urban can't keep me locked up selena hater of doors and locks for the rest of her days after this i'm not talking about erbin use your head and think selena i know you want revenge i do too for what he did to sam don't you understand it's all just a bit she's done with his talking she knocks him out using the pommel of her blade i want to point out that throughout this entire sequence and the fighting that is to follow, she is pointing out that the moves she is using are ones she learned with the mute master in the Red Desert. I don't think this is exactly what he had in mind when he trained her. Selina reaches the house and follows the precise instructions that she had heard from Harding, Turn, and Arabin. And with a graceful leap off of the roof door, off of the roof next door, she lands in the room behind the window. But it's full of people, including Jane, Faron, and many guards. Here she realizes it's a trick, but she doesn't realize just how big of a trick this really is. She immediately kills Jane and dispatches the majority of the guards, but the doors to the room are open and more guards come rushing in and they are all wearing strange masks over their faces. Then the smoke fills the room. She realizes this was all part of their plan and she had fallen for it. As she wakes up, she's been propped up into a sitting position and Ferran's in front of her. She realizes that someone had betrayed her, but she's very quick to dismiss Arabin as being the one who did it. In fact, she says it couldn't be Arabin. She thinks that he's still coming for her, and when he realizes what they did to her, he would kill them all to save her. I have major issues with this. She got into this mess because she was avenging Sam's death. She was so distraught over his death that she had to go and kill the people who killed him. But the second she's in trouble, she's thinking and praying for Erebin to come save her like a knight in shining armor. armor, That he will take her back home to safety. She even thinks that Erebin sent Wesley to warn her beforehand. Ferran tells her that she had been poisoned with Gloriella, and would be wearing off soon. And that she would be taken to the royal dungeons to be given to the king for killing Jane. Honestly, Selina should have known better, given she had been poisoned with it before. But I guess we can give her a pass, since she had never encountered it as a gas before. A day later, Selina wakes up in the royal dungeons. She realizes how much time has passed, and is shocked that Erebin still hasn't come for her. How do we tell her that he's not the hero in her story? She realizes that it's all over. She wasn't getting out no one was coming to save her this was it for selena sardothian she had truly and utterly failed she succumbs here to the reality that sam is gone and that everything she'd done up to this point had been for nothing at least that's what she thinks right now because of her circumstance she allows her grief and guilt to consume her and lets the fight lets the fight drain out of her Two days later, Selina is prepared for her trial before the king. She is ultimately sentenced to nine lives' worth of labor in the salt mines of Endovier. Endovier. We end this section of the book where we began, back out of Selina's memory and in the prison wagon. She has been in the wagon for two days, and they were now in Oakwalled forest. The caravan was stopped for the night. She heard the guards speaking excitedly, and she pulls herself to the window. As she's looking out, she sees a white stag standing in the clearing, staring at her wagon. It was the Lord of the North. She remembers what the Lord of the North means so that the people of Terracen could always find their way home. It reminds her of what had happened in Terrison and that despite her home being destroyed, he was there. The stag had survived despite the odds and somehow she would too. She would go into Endovir and survive not just survive, thrive. She had to. She owed it to so many, including Sam. As her wagon approached here, just at it just as it had at the end of every chapter in this book, and I actually just noticed this, at the end of every chapter, Selena smells the wind from the north, a breeze of Terrison. I think it is a reminder to her that everything she does and everything she is learning is ultimately to serve Terrison. It is ultimately for the homeland she could not save, will always be finding her way back to and as she smells it she stands in her wagon refusing to be broken by endovir my name is selena sardathian she whispered and i will not be afraid and we are done with the first book but i want to go back for one second because selena at this point believes that she was betrayed by one of the assassins in the keep she goes into endovir thinking that However, at the end of Chapter 12, we get a very small section from Arabin's perspective. Arabin and Ferran are standing on one of the rooftops in Riffhold, watching Selina's wagon leave the capital. Quote, Dovier then. A surprising twist of events. I thought you had planned a grand rescue from the butchering block. So you're not going after the prison wagon, Ferran said? Obviously not, said Arabin. After a little back and forth, Farhan asks, Why did you do it? Because I don't like sharing my belongings, Arabin answers. What Selina couldn't fathom is actually true. Arabin had been the one to set her up and betray her. It will take her a long, long time to learn this and accept this. But when she does, it will be spectacular. Selina couldn't imagine the one person in her world who had saved her not coming to rescue her one last time. But at the end of the day, Arabin had always seen her as a pawn in the larger game he was playing. So to wrap it up with the questions we started with Had she brought this all upon herself? I don't think it's fair to say Selena brought this all upon herself. There are bigger players in this game that are controlling her at this time and controlling her fate. So while she did set the actions in Skull's Bay in motion, every bit of retribution that Erebin paid her after that is not her fault. And realistically, she should have left that situation a long time ago. And there's no way that all of those situations combined could have led... While those situations combined did leave, lead Sam to eventually admitting his feelings to her and not moving away, and insisting that they move to the southern continent, it was not her fault that, Selena, that Sam decided to do their last, his last mission alone. She, that he made his own decision. As I mentioned earlier, Sam is an adult and he's capable of making his own decisions. That decision ended up costing him his life, but that was not her fault. Did Selena ever treat Sam the way he deserved to be treated? I don't think so. I think he deserved better. I just think it wasn't a good match for either of them. I don't think he was the type of guy that could handle Selena ultimately. And I think she didn't treat him great to begin with. I think that she could have treated him better and just been nicer to him and told him honestly what her feelings were. But that's not how it went. I don't think it was a bad first relationship for her. I don't like the way it ended for her because that is something she's going to have to carry with her for the rest of the books, but it just wasn't a good relationship. They should not have been together. Sam should have moved away to Banjali like he wanted to and Selena should have carried on, but if she had carried on, I don't think she would have gotten out of the situation with Arabin, so maybe it's ultimately a good thing that this happened as... Well, as good as it can be, considering Sam died because of it. Why does Selena refuse to see Arabin as a villain? He was the first person to show her kindness after she lost everything. He did care for her and he protected her to some extent until he found it more valuable to use her. So her refusing to see him as a villain is kind of understandable because she's craving a parental figure or a protector or someone that... She can lean into who she knows will always save her. I understand that. But is Erbin truly a villain? No. He's morally gray more towards gray. He's not all bad. He did save Selena and take care of her. He gave her everything she could have possibly wanted in life. He just puts his own motives and advantages above people. Even the people he says he cares for. Thank you all for listening this week. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along on this journey each week. We will be taking a couple weeks off from the traditional episodes before we start Throne of Glass, so stick around for some fun mini-episodes and other content in the meantime. Please start reading Throne of Glass, and please read up to chapter 11 in Throne of Glass or page 77 in the paperback. Hi, Bookly Babes. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider sharing it to someone who you might think would enjoy it. Please also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you want more, even more Bookly content, please follow me on socials at the Bookly Podcast on Instagram and on YouTube and follow me at Nat Hope Harrington on TikTok. Can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. Bye.